Hello and welcome to a late night latte on Latte Firm. It is, of course, just gone half past nine in the UK. It's Sunday evening and it's FA Cup weekend. Arsenal have been dumped out of the FA Cup in the fourth round. Don't know why I'm smiling. I actually think I'm smiling because I'm, I'm, I'm about to go into a show and, and chat to you guys. But we have been dumped out, courtesy of our Premier League title rivals, Manchester City. A narrow defeat at the Etihad, one goal to nil. We will talk about that. The Premier League resumes for Arsenal. We are away at Everton as we now go into the second half of our season pursuing that title number 14 we'll talk about that and of course the January transfer window slams shut in just a couple of days time and hopefully you'll enjoy what my my special guest and debutante has to say tonight uh, before uh, we introduce in our guests who are waiting backstage for us let's go through some of the chats tonight 443 was waiting first of all I've been hoping to see this notification all day thank you FK hashtag chilled vibes it's going to be a chilled show tonight no agenda we'll look back at the defeat we'll look forward to the Premier League resumption and we'll look ahead to the remaining days of the transfer window of course uh, jess abiola says late light latte baby that's how i feel jess uh thank you very much for joining us trevor bibbins back in the house good evening we've missed you fk it's only been a few days uh, trevor but i appreciate the sentiment thank you very much for that appreciate that afsa underscore gunner evening gunas ttp not quite sure what ttp means but do elaborate further in the chat for this old man that you see on your screens richie underscore dubfella says good evening good evening richie um, Michael Obi Hagen debut. Yes, my friend Edu Eduardo Hagen off social media, as you guys will know. I've followed him for a long time. He's been very kind to this channel by sharing all of the content over the last year or so that we've been going live, and he is finally making his much anticipated debut tonight. Patrick Carlson, good evening. Arsenal Granny back in the house. Hi, Arsenal Granny. I hope you're well. Hope 2023 is treating you kindly and generously and that you're in good health. Really appreciate you joining in. Uh, Shoria Segal, uh, let's go. Let's, let's fucking go, guys. Uh, Freddie Preston in the house. Evening FK. Loads of nice comments coming in. Oh, there's a little chat there from Singapore. Ray Beam in the house saying evening FK and fellow Gooners. Uh, lots of comments. Love it. Um, right. First of all. Uh, there's already a couple of hundred of you watching live. Please do drop a like on the video. Really helps the channel. If you can subscribe, if you're new, that also helps as well. And of course, just keep the chat going. I will bring up as many chats as I can throughout the show. Sundev in the chat as well. My phone-in buddy. Evening all. It's a great day and even better to be an Arsenal fan today and every day. Yes, it's not all doom and gloom. We might be at the FA Cup, but we've got two big pieces of silverware to fight for for this season. Right, let's bring in our latte firm regular. It is, of course, Yem. Yembele, welcome. How are you? I'm all right. It's a chill day today. You know, uh, it was a heavy day Friday, obviously. Really heavy day. <laughs> yeah, it was It was a very heavy day on Friday. So for anybody unfamiliar, Yem and I and Walid, uh, regular members of the firm, we drove up to Manchester. We did the day trip, went to the game. After the game, we decided to stay in town and hit Akbars, uh, which any of you living in Birmingham or, or Bradford or even Manchester will be familiar with. It's a very, very popular Indian restaurant. And we had a gargantuan feast day. Yeah, almost fell asleep on the way back, and finally got I, home. I did. I, I think I did. Didn't I? I think I did. And, well, and before in the journey as well, if you saw the tweets, Willie did take a picture of me beforehand, snoring my head off. So uh, no, it was a good day. We, we could talk off. about it, but obviously it was a yeah heavy weekend. Today was a bit of a, a quiet one actually. So just chilled out. Met you in the street. Met you across the street just as I was running rushing past going to it, it, yeah. it was a crazy day and of course you know we got home we had the curry and and have you caught up on sleep now have you, have you managed to get your body clock back to normal like, nope because yesterday after four after coming back at 4 a.m i woke up at 7 a.m by my daughter to go to a party later later on so no i've had very little sleep but i'm here it's good well my, my kids are firmly asleep ready for school tomorrow and here we are doing the late night latte lots more nice chats coming in henrik saying and now fk and latte really appreciate that christian in the house saying good to have you back cheese really really appreciate that henko also just shouting sorry for this but denmark is the third time handball world champions in a row way to go denmark i don't think i've ever seen handball being played v vlad Good, uh, good evening, uh, Harry Guna. Good evening, uh, Arsenal Granny showing some love back, which I really, really appreciate. Right, let's bring in our latte firm debutante. Be nice, everybody. Uh, it is, of course, Eduardo Hagen. Edu, welcome from sunny Miami. How are you? I am doing great. Thank you for having me. Uh, as we spoke and at the backstage, it's a pleasure to be here. And I thank you again. And I am sorry that I wasn't here before. And once again, let's get it started. 
Absolutely. Listen, um, you don't have to apologize. Uh, you and I go back some time on social media. We followed each other for a long, long time. And you've been very generous to this channel in sharing all of my content. And I will never, ever, um, you know, not appreciate that, Edu. But you are welcome on tonight's show. First and foremost, Edu, how's life? What are you doing in Miami these days? I know you've always wanted to go into journalism. How's that pursuit going for you? Well, everything's going okay, I, I suppose. I mean, I am in vacations right now. I study in Chile, in the University of Chile, and I am entering my third year out of four. And, well, it's been a long journey. But now I'm in vacation. I came to visit my family. And, well, now I'm working to, you know, sustain myself there and, you know, make it through the year and then go again. And it's a never-ending cycle until I achieve the dream of becoming a journalist and probably my dream, which I wanted to become a goal, which is living in the UK and following Arsenal everywhere I go. Oh, mate, that's a lovely intro. As you can see from the comments, you're getting a lot of love uh, in the chat. Jesse Lemon there, follower of uh, Yeshua says, Hagen. Uh, listen, Edu, um, when I announced that you were going to be on the show tonight, there was a very, very big positive reaction. Lots of people really excited to see you. You did get one or two digs. Um, I guess, that's kind of goes part and parcel with the, the type of tweets that you do in terms of like transfer speculation and stuff. How do you feel when you see that? I mean, do you understand why people get a little bit cross? No, I definitely do. I mean, uh, it's fair to remember that, of course, it's no excuse, but I'm 21 and my history goes way back. I began doing this when I was 15. And of course, you when you're younger, you don't take the responsibility you have. And as time went by, I understood the importance of what I tweet and the impact it has on people. And now, of course, I understand why people hate on me sometimes. And of course, I had to find the, the fine balance between being an Arsenal fan and also trying to be a journalist because there's a fine line of excitement that gets you carried away and lets you um, makes you say things that probably not happen in the future. And then people have grudges against you. So... I can't be an hypocrite and say, no, I don't deserve this because I do sometimes. So I can only say that uh, I have been trying to get better. I think I've learned how to be an ethical journalist lately because I started studying what that is. So it's quite, I mean, when you do something wrong, you have to take it in the chin and say, yes, I am responsible for this. And while all those things that I used to say were things that I had proof of them, but of course, when you know things, you can't put your source out there and, and do things like that. So you have to take it as the one that has the little screen on you. So I think I understand it and I am working to get better. So that's everything that I can say about that. Listen, Edu, I love that. And um, you, you're 21, man. It makes me smile at how young you are and how old I've gotten. But you are on the road to something special. I know this. I've known you for a long time. And I wish you, of course, all the best. And I hope that you do manage to pursue your dream of coming to the UK and watching games. And even if it's, in, if it's not in a journalistic capacity, uh, look me up and I will take you to the Emirates for sure, man. Uh, Bohdan in the so chat much. says, now we know Edu is a real person. Pleasure to have you. If you where have you guys been? Edu's released some sensational content. On his, on his social media, some songs, some dancing, uh, so, some, some transfer <laughs> news, some, some Arsenal stuff. It's great to have you on board. Um, right, let's go to, hang on, yeah. Oh, hang on, There's, the, the chat is exploding. Apparently Flo Balogun's done something really Yeah, yeah he's scored again. He's just scored again. He has been sensational tonight. I've just been watching it in the, in the corner. Wow. Against PSG. So, what, a 96th minute, what, equaliser or winner? Flo Balogun. Uh, everyone's going on about Balogun. Uh, Mo K says, breaking. Balogun scores in the 96th minute versus PSG. Um, I don't think there is a recall. Uh, equalize, equalize, equalizer, equalizer. Equalizer. Balogun is cold, Jag77 says. And again, A for Arsenal showing Hagen some love. <laughs> Sorry, everyone calls you Hagen, Edu. Um, yeah. Right, first of all, yeah, before we look back at the City game, and, and uh, Edu, I'll come to you as well for your thoughts on this. Uh, what's your snack check, Yem? What are you snacking on tonight? So my wife kindly went out and got me a cinnamon roll Gales. from Gales from the bakery. Ooh. So I asked for this earlier because I knew she was going to go at some point. I thought, it's, Mate, it, you know, Sunday, Sunday is not complete without one of these. So I am I'm going to tuck into this. I probably won't have all of it because I've just had a lot. I will not say a takeout, um, some fried chicken. Not, not, pace not yourself, my friend. Pace yourself, Edu. I, you know uh, me. Do you I have, don't do you, pace myself. I do not. Do you have a sweet myself. tooth, Edu? Do you like do you like sweet treats? What's your go to snack in Miami? <laughs> well, I do like sweet treats, but I have a history of of being overweight, so I've. 
taken sugar out of my diet for a long time. I used to weigh like 100 kilos and I was like five foot five when I was like 15. So it was quite tough. I almost got a diabetic coma. And after that, I oh. changed forever. So wow, man. in four months, I, I went down 30 kilos and I've kept it that wow. way ever since. So is it, I need to take your secret, man. We need to chat afterwards. Um, well, sorry to rub it's it the in. Dancing, I, it's the dancing he does, isn't it? It's, it's the absolutely. Dancing. And on that, I want to touch on that subject because so many people, uh, you see, I try to keep my Instagram more personal to do what, what I do in life. And there's always that person that comes from Twitter and records what I do on Instagram and then makes it a meme on Twitter. And I, I can only laugh because I have to be responsible for what I do. So... You shouldn't be. It's, do you know what? I think it's. I think it's a nice side of you. Don't don't yeah. be shy about it. It is you. That, don't. No, I know. I know. You know people. I, I, people are just. You know. They're always going to be critics about everything. Just do you. I think. It, I think it's a good side. I've. I've seen it. Yeah, I know. People have to take it. Something good happens. There's like that dance where I go like. Why not? Why not? Exactly. <laughs> I do. You're brave Listen, enough to do it as well. We have we have one life, man. You live your life and you do whatever Absolutely. you need to do. But just remember when you're, you know, heading up some massive television network presenting sports or writing, those things will always come back to sort of bite you in the bum. But I think I you know. deal with that really well and you deal, deal yeah. with it with grace. So just keep doing Thank what you. you're doing. Um, ladies and gents, I've got a snack tonight, which I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try out on this show. It is a Toblerone, which is uh, world class, but it's the orange, Yemen. don't know if you've had the orange version. I have. As I just take a... The orange oil sets it off very nicely. Does it really? It works on, let's, well. Let's have a go. Let's have a go. You know, while you're doing that, I'll get into my one. Sorry, Edward. <laughs> Do you know what? I'll give Ooh. them that. I quite like the lays. You know, you know, you got to do. You got to have something. Oh my goodness! Yeah, Yembele, this is a treat. <laughs> wow. Okay. Okay. Right. We've we've waffled on enough. The viewers are probably getting impatient. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Let's look back at Manchester City. Uh, Yem, as I normally do, I'm going to bring up some slides. There are hundreds of you watching live now, right now, which I'm very grateful for. Please do drop a like on the video and, of course, subscribe to the channel if you're new. Sorry to start with this, but Arsenal were, of course, knocked out on Friday night in the FA Cup fourth round, courtesy of Manchester City, our title rivals. Um, Yem, we went up to the game. The team news was announced. Arsenal made six changes. Mikel Arteta rotating. Um, Pep Guardiola making only two changes. What were your thoughts when the starting lineups came out? It was a big one because obviously I think everyone was building up to what would we do? Would we go strong, go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Man City and assess where we are? This was always seen as a measuring stick exercise. I think these next three games very much are seen as measuring sticks. And this first one was what do we do? Do we go strong or do we rotate given that the league is, if we be very honest to ourselves, more important? How would we approach this? I think everyone was, there was a lot of, you know, different opinions, a lot of accounts saying, look, we have to go strong. We have to go weak. I didn't know which way we we're going to go. Um, when it came out, I wasn't overtly surprised in some of the names. Holding was the surprise though. I, I thought, you know, you've got Haaland, the machine on the, on the pitch and holding was a big surprise. Trossard, not really. I thought he would start uh, and we could talk about him. But, you know, it, that we rotated so much and Man City so little, that it was really surprising to see that kind of different approach. Did did we, did Arteta view it as more of a, look, this is the free hit, effectively. This is where, or we don't show our hand because obviously the, the, the league is more important versus Pep went as strong as he could, I think. You know, the only change was really um, the goalkeeper, and you mentioned the, you mentioned two. Who's the other one? Was it just one. Um, the goalkeeper, and oh, that's a good question, Eddie. Would you? I know? think it was who one did, actually. Who, who there did, was only the goalkeepers, for example. Was, was it only the goalkeepers? Rico Lewis, okay. Lewis starts now. Okay. So, yeah, yeah, and, and that I'm was. Sure, a, I'm sure someone just, will tell us in the chat. Go on, yeah. So it was a real, you know, very interesting. You know, obviously we were waiting, you know, waiting that hour beforehand, and it was a real surprise how we approach the game. I think obviously some substitutions did change given situations, but yeah, really surprising. Um, I personally thought we would go strong given the importance of these games and set a marker down, but we could talk about the game, but it wasn't, a, it, for the first time in a while, it's not necessarily a weakened, you know, that weakened a team. I'm, I remember last year, we got absolutely pummeled with one of the weirdest teams I could see put out for a long time. And we've had that for a while. So to actually come with a plan team, we knew what the rotation options were, was, was pleasant at least. And obviously it had an influence on the game. 
it did have an influence on the game. There's a few chats mentioning Laporte out for Aki. Um, Edu, obviously the game started off. I was a little bit nervous that Rob Holding was in the team because, of course, Erling Haaland has been a scoring monster this season. How do you think we played in that first half? Because I was quite impressed. Did you share the same feeling? I was quite impressed as well. I think with the, with the names we saw on the team sheet, I think it didn't inspire confidence because, of course, the Etihad had Pep uh, starting 11. You see City, they're going full strength. So you say, wow, we're really throwing it away. But I think we stood up toe-to-toe. I think we were superior in the first half. So it's it was a very pleasant surprise to me. And I was very proud. Of course, holding, he you could say he had a good matchup against Hall in the first half, but... With that yellow card on him, it was quite difficult for him to continue because Haaland, of course, he is faster than Holding. He's probably stronger and, you know, that's a problem. So I think Arteta did well in taking him out in the second half. And Saliba did well. And I think we lost the game due to a little miscommunication of Lokonga and a great shot from Ake. And that's it. I think there weren't many other differences in the team. And I think that really... Gave me a lot of confidence going into the league game on February 15th. So I think we have something for them at the Emirates. I agree with you, Edu. I walked away from the ground thinking, listen, we've come here today. We've played a a very much changed 11 and we've played really well. That first half, I thought we were the better team. Uh, Thomas Partey, of course, going off and Lekonga, as you mentioned, Eddie, we'll talk about that in just a couple of slides time. I think that was the key change, the key moment for me where the game changed. But I walked away licking my lips thinking when City come to the Emirates, they're going to be in for a proper game. Um, Before we talk about uh, Leo Trossard's first start and, of course, Partey and Lekonga and what that might mean for midfield. Yeah, just your closing thoughts on the games, because there are people in the chat saying, look, this is a blessing in disguise. It allows Arsenal to have fewer games and we can focus on the league. Um, what do you, what, you know, what are your, what's your mood? Are you disappointed to go out of the cart? Are you actually quite secretly quite happy? Um, how, you know, what's your frame of mind at the moment? It's a little bit difficult because I think I want to be in the FA Cup. You want to win as many trophies as you can. But the manner of the defeat was probably more important for me. I, I think for our confidence as well. We... I think every Arsenal fan knew this is a measuring stick. I said at the start, it's a measuring stick exercise about where we are. How big is the gap? And I think like you, Faisal, said, and I think everyone will agree, we came out of this knowing a little bit more about our squad. And that was really important. Let's not just take away the fact this was our squad play, not our first team playing. And I think everyone could see the positives. We were were really good at our organisation, the plays, and we'll talk about individual players as well. But I was positive. Look, loss a loss is never nice, but it was. I saw more positives than negatives in this game, and that's the big thing. That where were we? Were we still that team that lost five nil and were looking so ragged and and you know non communicative, or was what we've seen this season true? That we as a team are more organised. We understand the game better. And we have we impose ourselves, and I think it was the latter. I was really I came up, and I think you know the three of us, me, you, and Walid, none of us were really that disappointed coming. I don't think I saw any Arsenal fans who were disappointed coming out the game. I think they were more positive, just a little bit flat because of obviously how the how the the goal came about. It wasn't through them breaking on us and being good play. It was a, a lucky break. So I think positive. And, and, and looking, for, as, as Edu said, looking forward to the Emirates because we know that the, the gap has closed now. It is now time to start dominating as a team that we are at the top of the league. And we acted like it, I think. I think this game, we acted like it. Freddie Preston, Freddie Preston in the chat says, if we played our first 11, we would have smacked them. Bring on the 15th. Yeah. Matthew D'Souza saying, very surprised by Manchester City. The whole game was a bit subdued. Uh, Zaffa 5 underscore Guna says, we were so unlucky in that first half. Uh, Jacob Alexander saying, Pep wanted to see what a full squad Arsenal would bring to the table, but Arteta didn't fall for that trick. Yeah, I think Pep wasn't expecting Arsenal to make so many changes. I thought maybe Arteta, he, maybe, I thought maybe he thought that Arteta would go strong, given that Arteta's won the cup as well in his time. 4-4-3 coming in saying, FK. I feel that Arteta's played a blinder. He clearly didn't want to give everything away for the league game and didn't want to risk the confidence loss if we have lost with a full squad. I think that's a really good point. Had we have gone there first 11 and got smacked, which I don't think we would have, and I, of course, I say that with the benefit of not having the game in front of us, um, yeah, maybe that would have taken a bit away from us ment- you know, mentally. But actually, I think we're going to go into the game on the 15th really positive. Um, Edu, coming to you, 
Leo Trossard made his first start for Arsenal. Of course, he made his debut against Manchester United in that cameo appearance. There you can see the silver fox, the grey hair at the front there. That's going to become his signature, I think. Um, Eddie, what did you make of of his first start at uh, the Etihad? Because I thought he was really impressive. I must agree with that. I think I was overwhelmed with the quality he showed. I, I, like, I knew he was a good player at Brighton. He scored a hat-trick at Liverpool, and I watched some Brighton games because I like their style of play, but I really didn't expect him to be this decisive, this fluid. He felt like a, he, he just fit like a glove in the team, and he didn't look out of order or anything. He, he contributed defensively, and what really stuck out to me is that he's not slow at all because some people had that misconception that he mm. wasn't explosive in the wing. But what he really, what really stood out to me was the power and the speed he has to take his shot away. In those two saves by Ortega, he was in, incredible. I think there's no player like that in the team, in my opinion. I mean, Saka, Martinelli, as good as they are, dribbling, pace, going one v one. But this guy, he shooting wise, I think he's the best at the club right now. So, of course, Gabriel Jesus, he's a brilliant player overall. But shooting is something he can work on. And yeah, I think it's a great tool to have going forward because against low blocks, you're going to need someone like this that unlocks that key. And and we get games like sometimes you're going to have to scruff them and it's going to be a 1-0 win, 1-0 to the Arsenal 1-0. But of course, you have to have this type of tool. And for 21 million pounds, I think it's more than a good deal. Staying with you, Edu, that I've seen on Twitter, a few Arsenal fans sort of write, maybe this is tongue-in-cheek sort of saying, well, if Leo Trossard plays the way that he started, maybe he keeps Martinelli out of the team. I mean, is that just an audacious comment or, or, or could that, you know, could that even happen? I think we have to understand that as we are progressing in the process, people, some people hate that word, but as we're progressing as a team, I think it's important to realize that there's no guaranteed starters in big teams. And if you don't perform for one game, two games, then another player is going to come in and take that spot. So if Trussard scores to take Martinelli's spot away, let it be it. Because whoever's better is going to play, and that's only going to benefit the club and the team and our results in the end. So I think if he continues to perform like this, he's going to give Arteta some headaches. So it's good to see. It is good to see, and it's a good headache for Arteta to have. It's been a headache that we've been craving for a long time. Callum in the chat says, Trossard comes straight in and raises the level of competition out wide. Shoria says, Santi vibes from Trossard. He's pressing, wasn't very synchronised, but that'll come with time with new teammates. And uh, Billy back in the chat. Hey, Billy. Gabby needs a rest big time. Presumably you're referring to Martinelli. Uh, yeah, before we move on to Thomas Partey and Lekonga, your thoughts on Trossard and the role that you think he might play in the next half of our season? It's an interesting one because he can play all, across all three front positions, which is something that's very good for us, considering the weight that's put on our front three. Um, no, I thought he had a really bright game. I actually thought he was the best attacking player in the first half. I thought he was bright. He, were, he pressed, even though the press, as you said, wasn't synchronised, he pressed well. He still pressed well. Good shot, really decisive in his shooting, you know, coming in off that left. He was, you know, he, I thought he was the brightest player there, making things happen, committing defenders. Yeah, really impressed. I, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can deliver. But they can play a, a, across the front three. If you look at it, I was actually surprised when the substitution was made in the game and it was Trossard coming off, not Saka, because Saka looked dead in that game. I, I, it was probably the most ineffective I've seen Saka for a long time up against Ake. And I honestly thought Trossard might switch to the to the right flank and Martinelli would come on. So, you know, he gives us some really good options, something that we haven't had. And even if you look at Mikhailo Mudrik, that's a very left-wing-focused player. He may be able to adapt to the right. But Trossard's played there and up front. It's a, you know, it's a much more versatile player. Granted, he may not have the same ceiling as Mudrik, but the versatility to provide us for the fee as well, it, it can't be understated because I think even if he doesn't start and even if he's not competing against Martinelli directly, you're talking about someone who is going to contribute just because of where he can play he can play in the hole he can play across the front three so I don't think it's necessary you know to Eduardo's point there is a process going on but the process still needs that kind of versatility to you'll always need those kind of players who are going to deliver that extra in your bench because you can't the first team cannot always do it Newcastle was a perfect example I think 
if Trossard had been there, it might have been a different outcome given his qualities and the way he influences that final third. So really positive start. I I'm looking forward to seeing what else he can do. Indeed. Uh, Edu, just want to get your thoughts on Saka because uh, Yem's just mentioned. I tweeted after the game, actually, no, at half time, to be fair. I thought Saka looked absolutely exhausted. I came away from the game and everyone's sort of eaten into me saying, oh, you know, every time Saka has a bad game, you always say he's tired, but Nathan Aki deserves credit, which he does. I think Nathan Aki did play well. But, um, you know, what are your thoughts on Bukayo Saka? I mean, he's played so many games and as. Uh, uh, Visva Ruben Pascaran says, my fear is that we're going to burn Saka out. Sorry, Eddie, for covering your face temporarily. Um, do you think he looks a little bit tired or was it just an off day at the office? I mean, in terms of, of being tired, I think it's obviously he's been playing almost every game now, every league game. I'm pretty sure he started. So a World Cup as well in between the traveling, everything. He's only 21 years old, so you have to understand him. And that's the, that's why it was important to get someone like Trossard in. So when Saka needed a rest or something like that, he could come in and, and that the team doesn't reduce the quality that it's been showing with a starting eleven. So I think it's only a one game off. And I, I think it was long overdue that he had a game like that because he's been brilliant the whole season. So I think there's nothing to worry about with Saka. I think he, he's brilliant. For me, he's the best player in the club. I mean, you could argue if he's the most influential, but I think in terms of talent, there's no bigger talent than him. And as a club, you have to protect your players. Um, the trusted move is an, it's a sign that we're moving towards that because last summer we didn't, we left with Pepe being on loan and we, he had no backup. So we all thought that Fabio Vieira was going to cover Saka and he's proven that even though he can't put a shift there, Fabio Vieira is more of an eight. So now it's a time for Saka to get some rest, although the games are going to come thick and fast and two important competitions, and he's probably going to have to keep on playing a lot. And hopefully he delivers the goods for us because he's been doing it. And it doesn't show any signs of crack. So let's hope it keeps being that way. Absolutely. Uh, Billy, I see your question about Kane and Tottenham. We'll ask, we'll, we'll answer those towards the end. If you've got any questions, random questions, football questions, whatever, keep them coming. I will ask, I will ask them of the panel and, of course, myself right at the end. Uh, Visva <laughs> Rubin says, solid pronunciation. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Also saw your question, Visva Rubin, so just, just give us a second. Uh, I do want to talk about what I think was the key moment in the game and where, where the game sort of swung for us, uh, swung for City. And that was, of course, at halftime where Thomas Partey went off with a precaution. He's, of course, had a scan, an MRI scan on his ribs, and he will be fit to play at Everton this weekend, which is brilliant. You can see on screen there, win ratios with and without Thomas Partey. Um, first of all, uh, Yem, coming to you, would you agree that Thomas Partey going off at halftime really gave City the confidence and, of course, you know, made our performance drop? And what did you make of young Sambi Lukonga? I, I think you'd be... You'd have to have some blinkers on if you said that it didn't mean it didn't matter when Partey went off. He is he has been such a focal point for us this season. It, you know, and he's such a vital cog that him going off did unfortunately change the game. Um, it was disappointing. I think when it initially happened, I thought, oh, this is a planned move. Maybe you know, just to get him rested because again, we're still in the same position where, like Saka. We can't afford an injury to party. He's too important as well. We've seen it now. And I thought maybe, okay, look, we've looked good. Maybe it's time just to rest party. But obviously we found out later it was a rib injury uh, caused by, I think, Kevin De Bruyne in a, in a little scuffle, which was pretty innocuous, but obviously did cause some issues. Sambi, I don't want to sound so negative against Sambi because it's a really hard one when a young boy who is... There's a lot of pressure because of the fan base, the person he's trying to replace in Thomas Partey. He's not a number six. I'm pre I'm, I'm fairly sure. I, I think he'd have to make some major tweaks to his game physically as well to become that. He's a good passer. I do think there are some issues in terms of his concentration and his work ethic that need to be worked on. But again, the fan base vitriol that's come against him is a little bit disappointing considering that we should all be pulling in one direction. Now, I'm not saying that he's above 
any criticism because he certainly does need to do some work. I think the attitude needs to change a little bit if he wants to become a top player. Maybe he does need a loan because he's not getting the game time, but is that going to make the difference? There are certain elements of his game that I do worry about. He's a good passer, but he seems to lack, and, and he did, when that's where the City goal came from, a lack of concentration. He, you know, the Premier League and the Premier League teams are unforgiving in terms of how they, um, you know, they're constantly at you. And I think he has switched off in the major games. Unfortunately, those he has played in the games that have where we have lost, and he has been involved. I wouldn't say he's directly involved, but he has been involved at points. So I think it, there is some onus on him. But I think the Arsenal fans do need to lay off a little bit and just. He's a boy, he's 22 years old. He's not getting game time. He's getting bits, bits and pieces here and there. He needs a run of games. Alone, I think, will suit him if we can get a midfielder. And that's the big problem, that your midfielder who is there right now, the incumbent, Thomas Partey, is such a high level. We're talking, he's being talked about with Rodri, Fabinho, not even Fabinho, Rodri, you know, Casemiro, etc. The drop-off is too big. And can we afford that? We probably can't, given where we're sitting right now. I think last year or the year before, it may have been different, but it, it, it's a lot to put on a 22-year-old, you know, newbie, if you call it that, shoulders. So, yeah, I don't want to be critical, but there are elements he needs to work on. Yeah, there are. I mean, Eddie, I'm going to come to you with the same question, but my thoughts are that it's very difficult for a young player to come into a game of that magnitude at halftime and filling in the shoes of someone like Thomas Partey, who's been magnificent this season. And naturally, uh, the expectation is that he'll come in and, and almost replace the output that, that, that Partey has. And of course, that's not his strength. I think it's difficult for a player to come into a team and just sort of turn it on. You know, they're not like light switches where you can just turn it on and they go straight away. You know, he has played in teams that are largely cobbled together. And much like some of the comments in the chat, you know, people are writing him off, Eddie Nketiah style, Granite Xhaka style. Um, and I don't know what the future holds for, for Sambi. You know, I'm, I'm leaning towards maybe a loan move. I think he needs regular game time. Uh, but Edu, coming to you, I mean, you and I, uh, we get regular pelters on social media. Uh, but this guy's taken a lot of stick uh, in the last couple of days. Um, some big accounts going in on him really hard and, you know, publicly. Um, what are your thoughts on Sambi? I mean, how do you think he must be feeling? Because he went off without clapping the fans, and he's been hung out to dry for that. He went off having been shouted at, you know, uh, at by Martin Odegaard during the game, if you've seen that clip. His confidence must just be zero. Um, what are your thoughts on him? Well, I think if you stick yourself in his shoes, you would feel very bad because you barely have chances to... Oh, I think we've lost Edu for a second. Some uh, he's, he's obviously in Miami on the beachfront. The Wi-Fi is going to come can back you, at some point. You, there he is. Yeah, we can, can hear you, you now. Me? Sorry, my friend. Start so, again. What are your thoughts? Okay. What are your thoughts on Young Zambi? So I think it's important to stick on his shoes for a moment and try to realize what he feels. And I think with Zambi, he's a player of two sides. With the ball on his feet, he looks very good. You can see that he's great that he can offer you something but without the ball there's clear improvements that have to be made in order for him to play in this team because you can see that the whole team you we saw yesterday that the players that don't usually play like Fabio Vieira he went there and he understood his role in the team but when Martin Odegaard started criticizing Sambi you could see that there was a big discrepancy of what the club expects him to do, what the role he has. And he didn't know. He, he felt like lost in the field. So I think we have to loan him out to a team that will emulate what we want of him in the future. And if that's not the case and he doesn't come back from that loan, better prepared for, that, for our type of system, then we're going to have to sell him, sadly. But, of course, the, the whole criticism thing is not acceptable because, of course, he hasn't had every opportunity to show his quality and probably he's not suited to the team and sometimes that happens you buy a player that you think you can mold into a system and it doesn't happen for him then you have to go out and look for somebody else that can and it's that simple so i think uh, we have to cut the the things because we have for for a long time we've never been united as a fan base and we tended to give stick to every player we had 
every player had something negative and for from now we are blessed to have a team that's competing that are league leaders and are showing great cohesion so uh, for a player like him i think it's evident that arteta that edu they know that they have to do something about it and they will probably so it's i don't think it's necessary for us to give him more problems if his mentality is not already there because we saw in the documentary that he questioned why did he, why he didn't get minutes to Enkedia and Enkedia told him you have to work harder and to play for a team like Arsenal you have to work every day get better every day and you have to give your 100% so nothing is for granted and i think alone away will be the best decision for everybody involved You're on mute, Faisal. Sorry. Uh, just saying, there's a lot of chat uh, about Sambi Lekonga. The opinion is quite split. There are some people who see him as a, as a talented player and they think that that talent will shine in time, maybe after a loan, maybe after he's had some more experience. Nathan in the chat saying there, uh, Lekonga desperately needs a known spell. John P saying he reminds him of Willock. Didn't look good for us, but doing a great job at Newcastle. Uh, and Bohdan, he, he, sums, he summarizes it beautifully for me. Whether you're a player that needs to go on loan, whether you're a youngster or, or not, you are playing for Arsenal in front of a big team and you can't defend the way that a player switches off in a moment. I know it's just a moment and we're probably being overly critical because he hasn't had so much game time and so much experience. And of course, he looked a bit nervous, a bit shaky, but you can't switch off. And Erdegaard was absolutely hammering him. And uh, yeah, that's just the way that it is. So Sambi Lakonga, hopefully he can find some sort of form. Uh, but there we are. Right. We've talked long and hard about the FA Cup. There's uh, just shy of 500 of you watching live right now. Please do drop a like on the video. It's greatly appreciated. Just press like, subscribe, hit the little bell button or whatever the buttons are, and you will never miss a show. And I really appreciate all the chats. Keep your questions coming. There are some awesome non-football related questions, which we will fire through towards the end. Um, getting back to normal business, of course, is now top of the agenda. Back to the Premier League. Arsenal fans will be happy to see these pictures come on screen. Again, courtesy of now underscore Arsenal. Give him a follow. Sam has well over 100,000 Twitter followers and a new website, which is banging. As you can see, chaps on the left-hand side, Arsenal are top 19 games played, 50 points on course for a centurion season. Our rivals are way behind. City, five points behind. Uh, Manchester United, 11 points behind. The enemy, 17 points behind. We're 21 points ahead of Liverpool and Chelsea. Feels amazing. And to put that into perspective, to put it into context, after 19 games a couple of years ago, we were 11th. After 19 games last season, we were 4th. And after 19 games this season, we are top and flying. Uh, Edu, are you looking forward to the Premier League coming back? Uh, we'll, we'll talk about our next five fixtures shortly. But can you believe what you're seeing with this Arsenal team? Uh, I'm being completely honest. I didn't expect this to happen this soon. Of course, we saw signs of improvement. And uh, we were hopeful that we were going to do something this season, get back to Champions League. And everybody had top four as the, as the goal. But I didn't expect us to challenge for the title and convincingly be the best team in England. So I think that's very important. We don't want to accept that we are the best team because we are not accustomed to that yet. So it's it's quite beautiful to see. I mean, when we played against United, I think that was one of the happiest moments I've ever had in the last few years. I mean, when that goal was given, I was like, oh, my God, I almost started crying. I said... This is the fairy tale that Leicester fans lived in 2015 16. And me, I'm, I'm a 21-year-old, so I have never seen Arsenal win a title. So for me, this is so special. And the fact that I'm living this dream, it's quite it's quite something to me. It's very emotional. So every game feels like a movie, and everything is like I, I am so connected with TV because I, I haven't had the opportunity to go to the Emirates yet, but I'm pretty sure that'll happen soon. So uh, it's just beautiful to see. And I think it's credit to the players, credit to Arteta, to Edu, to the whole club that took that massive step when they when they, when they they fired San Lehi and we began a rebuild. And everything started to look clear. And now, wow, we're a few signings away from, from not only winning the title, but competing for the Champions League, which is a dream we all have. And it will be more than beautiful to be there next year and imagine winning it to be something that you can't even describe without having a smile on your face imagine uh just while you're on the on the mic uh billy asks edu did you ever see him uh, on replay um 
I mean, obviously, I, I know you're 21, but you, you, you must remember him, surely. I, I did see him play when he returned in 2011, and he oh, scored wow. that famous goal and, and that part. But I didn't see prime Thierry as you all had the opportunity. I feel really old now. I feel really old right Hey, now. listen, yeah, we're old, but we're blessed. Uh, but yeah. listen, Edu, that, that, that's a really good point, Edu. You know, you are one of the younger generation, and for, for many of you in Edu's generation, you won't have seen Arsenal competing at the highest level and doing it so well. And so for, for your benefits, I really hope, I really hope that you guys, uh, um, you know, get to experience the joy. I mean, Yem, coming to you, you're at the opposite end of the spectrum, you and I, say, same generation. We have seen title-winning teams from Arsenal over the past. Does this team look like it has the facilities? Um... I, again, I'm I'm being so <laughs> pragmatic. You know me. I can't do it. Um, I am enjoying the ride, I would say. Um, I am realistic about our competition, which is immense. You're talking about a Man City team who have won three out of the last four titles, who have an absolute terminator up front who doesn't seem to be human, in all honesty. I think Rob Holding made him look very human, though, on, on Friday, you know. Just saying. Um I, I'm glad that we are back competing. That's what I've, I think. That's what we're most happy about. That we are competing. That we're back to a, a semblance of an Arsenal which we are, which certainly me and you are, are we, we are used to. In that we're playing dominant, attacking football, and it's it has a purpose around it. That's what we've been used to in the you know in the early Wenger era, title winning sides. I think. You know, if you haven't seen it like Eduardo has day in, day out, when we were, you know, watching in 2003, 4, etc., 98, then you, you've only seen the mess that came afterwards. And it's it's disheartening because you hear the stories, but you don't know what they are. You haven't experienced the, the, the title race and being that team that is dominant and, and being, you know, being invincible. So it's, you know, I can imagine for Edu, and Edu can say, I'll speak otherwise, that... This winning run and this feeling that we go into games, you know, not being scared of our opponents in any way, shape, or form, and knowing that we have a plan and we how we attack is so refreshing because for the longest part of you know five to six years, it was a case of do you really know what Arsenal is going to turn up, what the plan is, because one of the players can't be bothered one day. It's a very individualistic team, whereas this is a true team of that understands what their roles are in each, you know, in each game, how to change it. You've got leaders on the pitch, and then you've got ways to, you know, change the game, which is so refreshing. I think that's the big thing that we've come up against all these hurdles. Look, there are plenty more hurdles. We're only halfway through the season, but the hurdles we've been across so far, where everyone has said, "Oh, Arsenal are going to fail. Arsenal are not going to do it. Arsenal are going to have this problem." Now is the true test. We have passed those. Man United was the last one, and we and we passed that quite convincingly. I thought even the City game, where we were we were told it's the yardstick. I don't think anyone came out of that game saying, "Well, Arsenal got absolutely walloped." It was more of a case of, "Okay, Arsenal have something about them now," and that's the case this season. We know that we have something about us. We see the plan. We see the idea. I think most people are behind the club. I think we always have people who are going to be, this doesn't work, or I'm not happy about this, but you can never please everybody. But I think if you think the majority of the fan base are now united behind the team and what they're doing, that's far and away what we used to have, where we were so disparate and we were so against each other. It was venomous. I, you know, Even if we don't win the Premier League this season, this has been a massive massive step for Arsenal Football Club. And we know we're going to be up there because we've got a manager and a, a structure that will keep us going. It's not going to fall away. It, people are saying Leicester, and I know I'm ranting here, but people are comparing us to Leicester. I'm not having that because A, Leicester was a one-season wonder, and that's unfortunate. But if you look at us, there is a concerted plan. The players we're buying are not one-offs. They're not special. You know, They're not going to be one-hit one wonders. You can see that. Saka has been doing it for the longest time. Martinelli has. These are players who are going to be here for the next three to four or five years, as long as we retain them, and we will keep pushing. And hopefully we add more to the squad and we keep pushing. That's that's what I see. Maybe it will change. You never know. You can look at Liverpool and say that the drop-off it can be steep quite quickly. But I don't see it yet. 
Well, uh, in terms of not seeing it yet, Edu, our next five games in the Premier League are as on screen at the moment. There's Eddie and Ketia continuing to feed me humble pie. Keep doing it, Eddie. But our next five, Edu, Everton away, Brentford at home, Manchester City at home. Then, of course, Unai Emery's Aston Villa and Leicester City, former Premier League champions. Um, Edu, our first question is the game at the Emirates in two weeks time, Arsenal-Manchester City. It's a big, big game. Do you think that's the game that we absolutely have to win to basically put ourselves into the driving seat? I know we've got a five-point buffer, eight-point buffer if we win the game in hand, of course, but is that the game, Edu? I mean, uh, the whole world expecting that game because we're going to see who is going to take the lead because if we lose, the doubts are going to start coming and they're going to start saying uh, Arsenal, they could crumble now and it could lead to doubts. It hasn't happened yet, but we haven't lost in Manchester United, so it's been a long while since we haven't lost. So in the league, uh, I must say. So, but if we win that game, I think that's the final nail on the coffin, if you could say it that way. And everybody's gonna accept that we are the favorites, and we have to handle ourselves as the favorites because until now. We still treat ourselves as the outsiders, even though we are five points clear with the game in hand. So we don't know if City could yet fail again before they face because they have Tottenham. And of course, we don't want Tottenham to win. But if they win, it won't be that sour. So it's it's something, quite something that if we win that game, of course, we'll be ideally 11 points away and only the Ate had to play. So... Even if we lose that game, it would be, what, eight points clear. So you can only get excited about that. So I think it's going to be an important game. It's going to be important to have the first 11 all healthy. And let's see what happens from here until Tuesday, because there could be surprises. So uh, Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about the window in just a second. Uh, Cameron in the chat says, being in a title race is alien to us. To the point most of us don't even think we'll do it, to be honest. Enjoy think, it while it lasts, is my I, mindset. Go on, Edu. From from my experience as an Arsenal fan, of course, I remember 2015-16 when that Welbeck moment happened. I don't think we were as convinced that we were going to go on to win the league as we are now. Because back then, of course, the league, the quality, most of these teams that we're facing now, they had an, an off year. And Leicester could capitalize with that, but... Now we feel like we're superior to everybody else and we are showing it on the pitch. So it's quite different. And I think it's, it's quite, it's quite something. I mean, it, for me, it's, wow, it's overwhelming to say the least. I, I can tell man, uh, Billy, uh, Billy in the chat says uh, to Patrick Carlson's comment, presumably a little bit earlier, we don't need any favors. It's in our hands and it's up to us to see it out. Uh, there was important. another comment. That, go on. It's, it's important to, to remember that uh, the next 20 games or 19 games that we have, the 50% and more are at home and the other are away. And City, they have more games away than at home. So that could be very important in the title race. I think so too. Um, as Bordan says in the chat, we should have beaten them at the Emirates last time out. And yes, we should have Bordan. That that first 45 minutes, still potentially the best 45 minutes you played under Arteta. Believe me, it's coming, he says. Uh, yeah, coming to you. Uh, obviously, it's a big game in a couple of weeks' time. Don't really want to ask you too much on that because we talked about that in the post-match space and, of course, all the way home from Manchester on Friday night. But when you look at those five games, what point return are you sort of expecting, Yem? And do you think City might take a point or maybe even Unai Emery? And Unai masterclass to take points off Manchester City. I think that we should be confident going to any game now. And I have been since the start, you know, since the first run of games and seeing this team evolve, I've been confident in our team's ability to get, get wins. So I'm, you know, I'm going to confident into every game that we can win, even the Man City game at home. I'm not, I'm not scared of them. I think last year showed it. I think we lacked a, just a slight bit of edge, which I've, which I think this year we've got in spades. It's a different team, different mentality. We are a mentality monster this year. It's not It's not the same Arsenal where we're a bunch of kids who were, you know, evolving. This is now a serious team with serious ambitions who know we're, we're at the top and they act like it. That's the difference, that it's not a case of, look, we, the Man United game was a perfect one. 
We went 1-0 down against Man United. In the, in the last couple of years, we would have crumbled under that. But we didn't. Six minutes later, we were we were back level. And then we, stopped, we led. They came back against us. We still came back against them. We were not the ones running. And we don't... This season is what I why I'm confident in every game. We don't run. We keep our game. We keep our heads. And that is so key in, in, in this game at the moment. You keep your heads. You pl- keep playing the way you do. Because we know the way we play gets results. It's not a case of chucking in into the mixer, throwing balls in and panicking. I don't think I've seen that at all where we've panicked in any game. We've been calm, measured. We've got good leaders on the pitch. So I'm confident in all these games. I think, you know, if you look at it, even even Unai Emery, you know, Aston Villa away, tough game, very unpredictable. You don't know what they are at the moment. But you still have confidence in this Arsenal team to be effective against them. And also, don't forget... We have added as well. Trossard is a very, very good buy to to mix it up a little bit. It's not a blunted attack. You've got Emil Smith Rowe, who unfortunately missed the game on Friday with a thigh injury, but you've got you've got weapons again. And then Gabriel Jesus is still due to come back in a few weeks, so it's very positive. I, I think we should be really positive about these next five games. Everton, Everton away, it had to happen where short they got their new manager just in time to get that new manager bounce. But I still think. We've got more than enough in our in our locker to beat them. Brentford is always a challenge, but no, I'm not. I'm not. I, I think we should be confident in every one of the games. I think Arteta will be. I just put the question out there: How many points from the next fifteen guys? And Uncle Doris is coming and saying thirteen. Nathan's saying ten. V Vlad, me a bit more confident than everybody else. Fifteen. Yeah. Uh, Charlie Watts in the house saying one game <laughs> at a time. Uh, absolutely, three points in the next one. Unique Arsenal coming back saying fifteen. Uncle Doris just clarifying the thirteen would mean that Manchester City, of course, are no closer. Um, there was a comment that I wanted to pick up. Um, just about saying, here we go. David Okiemi says, you are so disrespectful to Everton and Brentford. Don't count your chickens before they hatch. Completely understand that, David. Listen, um, obviously, this is a conversation where we just sort of think about the next five games. And of course, we want to go into every game thinking we can win every game. We know Everton's going to be difficult, particularly under Sean Dyche. And of course, Brentford, who have been pretty good this season. Um, but this is just a game of opinions. But I do absolutely respect the challenge there. Another challenge coming in. I don't know if this was aimed at me, but from Bill, it amazes me when people who probably Probably never kicked a ball can be so scathing with gifted athletes who somehow don't measure up to their standards. Bill, I apologise if I've offended anybody, but of course, we're just passing opinion on Sambi Lukonga. Um, and presumably that, that's what you're referring to. Uh, KSSMYW says 15 out of 15. 443 says 13 points. Mo K, 13 out of 15, but draw versus Villa. Will Uncle Unai Emery come back to haunt my nightmares again? Uh, GA says I will take 12 points so long as we don't lose to City. Yeah, look, I think City's the key game i absolutely don't want us to drop points particularly at home but i think come that game in a couple of weeks time we'll be right up for it and we will deliver a performance that uh, hopefully they will go home crying with um look the show wouldn't be complete without me bringing up the january transfer window jamie carragher at the weekend saying that arsenal are the best coached team in the country and of course moises caicedo at brighton um i mean it all started pretty much on friday yeah, as we were leaving uh, the etihad stadium He pinned a post on his Instagram of a picture of him at the Emirates Stadium. Then there was a statement from Moises saying that thanking, you know, Mr. Bloom and thanking Brighton and saying that they're going to receive a record fee. Then, of course, he doesn't train. He's left out of today's win against Liverpool. Gosh, what's happened to Liverpool? Um, And then De Zerbi after the game saying that, look, I really wanted to finish the season with us, as you can see on that right hand side image, courtesy of now underscore Arsenal. But we are ready to go forward without him. Um, Yeah. What are your thoughts on, A, the link with Moises Caicedo? Would he be the sort of player that you would like to see in this Arsenal team? Oh, yeah. I think his quality is undoubted. What he is, I don't know. Is he a six or an eight? Or can he be moulded into either one? But he's definitely got the quality. I think we saw it with him on his debut at the Emirates. He absolutely dominated. It's a really hard one because I think it's come quite late into the in, in the day, in the window. There is a lot of conflicting news, especially now, about are oh, we going to put a second bid in? No, there's no second bid. Are we? It's a lot of money. We are looking at around, you know, we put a bid in for 60 million for a, for a player who's played 26 Premier League games. So you have to remember that. Uh, and we're in the window where obviously it's hard to get players. We're also up against, you know, clubs that have no regard for the rules now. Um, 
but I don't know where this is going to go ahead because I simply Brighton are very are a very well run club. They know what they need to do. They also have a they also do have an MO for when they do sell players and they sell they buy low, sell very very high. They make a lot of profit. You look at the, the names that they've, they've sold on even Trossard recently to us. But this one is very late in the day, and the noises that are coming out are we are going to keep Caicedo. Now, the post has come out, and it is clear that he wants to leave. How far? That's quite, he's pushed it quite far. He has, he has pressed the nuclear button effectively on his Brighton endearment, if we call it that. But how far do, do, do Brighton, Brighton now cut their losses? Because the problem is, is that, and I've said it to you in a couple of our group chats, there the maximum value is in this window. That's very clear. In the summer, there are more options on the market at a better price. They will not get 75 million or even 70 million in the in the summer window. So do they go now? And they also, do they want a replacement straight away? I think they've bought someone today, a Swedish player. It's a really hard one to say if, if we're going to get it done. I do want... We need club. We need cover. It's clear. We talked about it earlier. The, the drop off to Sambi is too great. You need someone who is strong, decisive, can pass well, move the ball upfield. Caicedo, from what I've seen, does that, and we are willing to pay a lot of money. So that can't be argued because we've seen it. Arsenal, when they ID someone and they push hard, it means they're worth something. But whether we get this deal done, I, it's fifty-fifty to me. Edu, I know you're going to be in your element in just a second, but before we go to you and get your thoughts on what might happen over the next couple of days, a couple of, couple of people in the chat, Cameron's come back in saying, do we want Caicedo? Yes, yes, and absolutely yes. Antonio Carr says, let the fun begin. <laughs> Indeed, the next couple of days, it's got Arsenal fans on tenterhooks. I mean, look at Mo K. Caicedo news, as of now, not looking good, saying no second bid. And then, of course, uh, somebody else has just come in, Nathan, saying Gary Jacob, who's top tier, says a second bid is incoming. Uncle Doris being a bit more reflective. Brighton should take a lot of heart from dispensing with Liverpool without Caicedo. Of course, dispensing of Liverpool they did today without Leo Trossard as well. Um, Edu, the floor is yours. And I guess what I want to ask you is, first of all, any sort of thoughts on Caicedo? And, and if you had to bet, do you think it might go through in the next couple of days? And of course, I don't endorse betting. Um, and the second question, Edu, is if it's not Caicedo, because your knowledge of players is far greater than mine, who else might you like to see come into Arsenal? So Caicedo first, Edu, what do you think? Oh, you're on mute, Edu. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's been happy that today. Yeah. So, Moises, uh, I have seen him play since his time at Independiente del Valle in Ecuador, which uh, he won the under-20 Copa Libertadores, which is like the biggest tournament, the Champions League of South America in the under-20 categories. And it's evident that Moises is probably already, at 21 years old, the biggest player Ecuador has ever produced. No, no disrespect, of course, to Ener Valencia. But uh, for me... I've seen him since last year at Brighton from Independiente del Valle as well. And I have no doubt he has what it takes to be one of, if not the best at his position. I think he, his physical qualities, the way he treats the game, he intercepts. For me, he's the best standing tackler in the league right now, without a doubt. I mean, he's like, when you remember N'Golo Kante in 2015-16, he was everywhere. He's just like that. But I think in terms of with the ball at his feet, he's a bit more developed. No disrespect to N'Golo, which is a legend of the game right now. But if you ask me if he's worth £70 million right now, no, I don't think so. I don't think a player with 26, 26 league appearances is worth £70 million. But we are in a market right now that everything's inflated. And you have to take into consideration that players like Anthony, like Mudrik, that haven't played much games are going for a hundred million pounds. So if you want a player and you want to bet on his future and you're convinced he's the one that's going to take your club to a next level for the next few years, you have to take those risks and take them. So if Miguel is willing to spend 70 million pounds on Caicedo, it's because he sees, he sees what other people see. So, and he's way better than all of us at this because he's the manager of Arsenal and, we have seen how good he is at choosing other players. So if I can go 50-50 on this, it's I don't want to stick my head out because I've done it before and then people have backlash on me because of that. Then don't. 
But then don't. I, 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 your, I insight, your insight is enough. Go on, go on. I am positive. I am positive. I think it's way too late now in the window for Arsenal to change targets suddenly and go for another player. We saw it with Douglas Lewis and it didn't work. And I think they, they would have learned from that. And I want I have information though. It's not something big or anything, but it's a it's clarification on Fabrizio Romano's tweet in the morning, which a lot of people thought that they I said. Say, oh, I will say, can I just interject? Fabrizio's literally just put out a new post just now. So same. we've submitted a new bid for Moises Carcedo. It's around 70 add-ons included. Literally breaking news on Latte Firm as Edu Hagen was talking about Moises so, Caicedo. Go on, about Edu. That, about that, have your uh, moment. You remember the tweet that he said that Brighton will reject the bid? He meant the first bid, that they were they were not going to sell for the first bid. But the second bid has now been submitted, and we don't know yet if he's they're going to reject it or not. So it's now, uh, what's it going to happen? I don't know. But if we bid again, I'm pretty sure it's because we have confidence that a deal could be concluded. And I hope to see Caicedo in an Arsenal shirt on Tuesday. So... In terms of options, I think there are options out there. Manu Kone from Mönchengladbach, uh, Kefram Turam from Nice. Uh, there's the evident uh, options out there that, well, Enzo Fernandez not an option because Benfica won't sell, at least for a reasonable price. They want the release plus or not. And Chelsea are the only ones that are going to be able to get enough to that amount. So it's... Uh, I think it's Caicedo or bust now or get a loan and wait until the summer for Declan Rice. But uh, I think it's important to clarify that it's not Caicedo or Rice. Arsenal will still hold an interest in Declan even if we get him before Tuesday. So it's an exciting, exciting time to be an Arsenal fan. Now let's hope it ends up in a good manner for everybody. The thing is, look, the, the biggest problem I have with our fan base right now, and there's a lot of accounts that do this, and Edu's probably had it more than most, is that we've got this kind of still got this thing about transfers that if they don't come off, oh, it's because they've done it wrong, they didn't offer enough money. We have a figure in our head, and we are we're strong enough as a club n- not to go beyond it. We are trying to be, you know, we're trying to push it. We don't have. We're not. We're not infinite money. We can't compete at that level over Chelsea or something like that. And the Mudrick one was, you know, brought out all this vitriol. But look what's happened since then. The figures that have been coming out, it's ridiculous. You know, you can't. We, we can't spend with, with beyond our means. We're not that club. So, I think you know the numbers being talked about are fairly reasonable, as Edu said, for a twenty-six game player to be going at you know being marketed and purchased at seventy million is insane but that's the market and we are there we are in the market we are not hiding from it we're putting the money in we're not you know it's not a case that we're underselling anything we're trying to do our best but i I know what's going to happen if this doesn't go through and there is a chance it won't go through because look at it brighton can easily say we don't have anybody so we're gonna but they're very adaptable i will say that they've done it in the past but you don't know what's going to happen they, they showed it absolutely today. They've got so much talent and their ID is unmatched. It is unmatched in the league how much they've... But the fact is they can say to they can say to Arsenal, sorry, we want to keep him. Now, whether or not Caicedo will cooperate for the rest of the season is a big one because he's he has burnt the bridge. It's very hard to come back from that kind of thing when you... But it also lowers his value for the summer as well because they know he wants to leave. It's not a case anymore that you can say well, we're going to keep him to the other summer. As soon as that window opens, everyone will be on him and it will be at a lower price. So if, if Brighton are going to get the maximum from it, it has to be now. And that's that's the be-all and end-all. Everyone's excited. Everyone's excited about Moises Caicedo. Of course, Fabrizio Romano tweeting. Uh, Mo Kay saying, the timing of tonight's latte firm. Fabrizio exclusive and Edu Hagen on the show. Absolutely tears in our eyes. And uh, look at the man. Comments... Just look, he's done, he's done his brand proud and he's tweeted just now, Edu. Hey, go on, that. Edu. Get in there, son. Um, listen, uh, one or two comments uh, uh, wondering why Edu's on the show. Listen, this is my channel. And I know you guys always tune in and you watch. Uh, Edu and I have followed each other for a long time. Excuse me. He's a good friend and, excuse me, he's a good friend and um, 
I wanted him on. It's as simple as that. So please be kind. And uh, I've really enjoyed your debut tonight, Edu. I, I, I thoroughly Thank enjoyed so it. And I hope you come. I hope you come back on again. Um, I guess closing thoughts uh, from us is that, of course, you know, we're out now of the FA Cup. That is a cup tournament that we will put to rest until next season. The Europa League is obviously still in sight, but it's the Premier League. And that is back this weekend, guys. The transfer window does come to an end on Tuesday. Hopefully, Moises Caicedo will be an Arsenal player. And if that is the case, there will, of course, be a breakdown on this channel. If you're interested in finding out more about Jakub Kivior, there is a breakdown, of course, in the channel feed. And, of course, Leo Trossard. But most of you will have seen his appearance now against Manchester City. May I take this opportunity to thank everybody watching? Hundreds. Uh, there's been well over 3,000 of you watching live tonight at some point, which is fantastic. Really appreciate the support. Do drop a like on the video and subscribe to the channel if you're new. Uh, I'd love to thank Edu. Edu, please do come on again. If anybody wants to follow Edu on Twitter, his Twitter is going to be hot over the next couple of days. He is at Eduardo Hagen. And Edu, good luck with the rest of the season so and much. all your pursuits in Miami. Please do come back, man. I really appreciate it. You're getting a lot of love in the chat. People are saying they want more Edu. <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, and Yembele, thank you. Uh, if anybody wants to follow Yem, he is at Verge59. We will leave it there, guys. We've been bang on just over the hour mark. Uh, look after yourselves. Have a good day. We will have a late night latte in the week with a match preview of the Everton game. Maybe a special feature on Mikel Arteta's men as a midterm report. But until next time, look after yourselves. It is bye for now.